Hello, my friend. Welcome back to Adrenaline. I am your host, Neil, as always, and I really hope that you're enjoying Memory Lane. I know that I am, I, particularly in the last episode when Dr. Novik right, gave Alex a few prompts in order to trigger her mom's memories. I am very interested in this idea, so let me try out another prompt on you right now. See if this works, okay? Word from our sponsor. Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening, and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It worked, right? That's pretty amazing, huh? Right? Um, and so, I mean, I get it. On one hand, it would be pretty cool if someone just said Shavasana to me, and I just, like, knew yoga perfectly. But again, on the other hand, um, it would be also incurring all of this dire uncertainty with uh, repressed memories and a mysterious man with the van and all that kind of stuff. So not quite that zen in the end. Anyway, let's see what happens in episode four. I'm Neil Helligers, and this is Adrenaline. Enjoy. Alex? Alex, are you there? Listen, it happened again. I had two memories about the man this time. One was just audio, but another was visual. I'm freaked out. Cassie's refusing to believe me. She didn't even want me to tell you. She wanted to do our check-ins together today so she could make sure I didn't bring it up. I don't get why she's being so defensive and weird. As I've mentioned before, what the two of you are experiencing right now can be very intense. It can bring up a lot of buried emotions, traumatic events, or things in her past that Cassie may have consciously tried to forget. Here, I thought you told me I was being overly anxious for expecting bad memories. Would you categorize the memories as bad, Alex? Well, not the one I saw, no. But the one I heard... He said something kind of creepy. Or at least, I heard a guy say it. I think it was the same man's voice. Would you recognize this man's voice if you heard it outside the context of one of these received memories? I... maybe? I'm not sure. I can't see his face in the memories either. It's all a bit dreamlike. Blurred. Hmm. I see. And are you sure it was a negative statement you heard? He said he had to tell Cassie something. About her. I don't know who she is. So it may not have been anything bad? Well, no, but he sounded almost scared. What about the part of the memory you saw visually? They seemed happy together. 
He was affectionate with Cassie, and she was having so much fun. Why would she want to forget that? Maybe it wasn't what she wanted to forget, but who? So you think my father might have been on the trip? I can't answer that definitively, Alex. You two need to figure it out. Between your memories and Cassie's, there's an answer. You just have to keep searching. This could affect your mother's treatment. If she has been repressing memories, rediscovering them could be the breakthrough that unlocks her troubles. Is this normal, Dr. Novick? Do other patients have discrepancies like this? Differences in their memories? I'm afraid I can't share any data on my other patients. It's just, you don't sound surprised this is happening. I try to keep my observations neutral, Alex. I apologize if you feel I overstepped my boundaries. Now, Alex, today I want to leave you with another reference word. I'm afraid I'm not certain what it means myself, so I won't be much help in decoding. The second prompt your mother gave us was Kingsnake. Why did you get the prompt words while she was unconscious? Hmm? Wouldn't it make more sense to ask her while she's awake? Figure out what memories she wants to give me? Oh, well, we find that the procedure works more fluidly when the patient's subconscious provides the key prompts. There's less conscious bias passed along that way. Less of what Cassie thinks she remembers, and more of what she actually remembers. It's a careful balance. We extracted the prompts while she was under deep hypnosis, which has been proven to improve accurate recall in patients and reduce conscious doctoring of the past. Okay, so... Kingsnake. God, I hope she didn't mean an actual snake. I'm sure you'll work it out soon enough. Thanks. Realm presents Memory Lane Season 1, Episode 4. Northeast of Redding, California, June 16. More like thanks for nothing, I think, as I hang up the phone with Dr. Novick. Is it just me, or are our check-ins not very helpful? I trudge back to the bus from the park bench where I was taking the call and climb into the passenger side. Cassie's already sitting behind the wheel. She's insisted on driving ever since I sort of fainted in the parking lot yesterday. I understand why, but relinquishing control makes me fidgety. I jump every time there's a bump or a swerve in the road. How did it go? Fine. I slam my door shut and buckle my seatbelt. So, did you tell him about the man? I pause so I won't snap at her. Yes, like I said I would. What is the problem? I'm just worried, that's all. I don't want these fantasies of yours to interfere with the study. Remy's doing important work. The last thing he needs is us messing up his data. They're not fantasies. Cassie purses her lips, then reaches out and touches my forehead as if to see if I have a fever. Did you sleep at all last night? You look terrible. Gee, thanks. I avert my eyes, not sure if I should tell her the truth. Once I finally managed to drift off to sleep last night, I kept reliving the memories especially the scary ones. The water closing over my head. The body, a dead person, or maybe someone in a hospital bed? I saw when Dr. Novick first put me under. The man's voice in the forest clearing. I need to tell you something. 
about her. This morning, my head is throbbing. All I want to do is crawl into the back of the bus, curl up under the blankets, and sleep until I feel like myself again. Not like some weird combination of both me and my mother in one body. It's so unexpected. Just a few days ago, I would have told you I'd give anything to find out about the past, about my father and my mother's secrets. Guess I should have been careful what I wished for. Cassie starts the bus and pulls off the gravel berm onto the two-lane road. Well, I just hope we don't get kicked out of the study. You know, I can really use the stipend. I roll my eyes. If we get kicked out, I'll get a job and then pay you a stipend myself, okay? Last night, at the RV park where we stopped, I was finally able to get a decent enough signal to check my email. No new replies to the resumes I'd sent out. Not even form rejections. I don't get it. I worked hard all through college. I got good reference letters, great grades, a promising final project to use as a resume sample. Why am I not getting any interview requests at the very least? Then again, I should be able to take one measly week off before diving into the job hunt. Actually enjoy a breather. I stare out the window at the secluded woods of Northern California. We're farther inland than I'd imagined we'd go. When Cassie told me we were road tripping up the coast, I thought we'd spend the whole time on the highway overlooking the sea. Now all I can see are trees. It's a totally different California. I turn back to Cassie, who's driving competently enough, albeit with one hand. I really wish she'd use two. Aren't you worried about our brains? What if my divergent memories are a sign that something went wrong in the transfer? What if I start having these freaky made-up flashbacks all the time? What if I never go back to normal? What if I lose touch with reality thanks to this stupid experiment? Honey. Cassie reaches over to take my hand, but I jerk it away. I would never let anything bad happen to you. If the experiment were dangerous, I would never have signed us up for it. You really think I'd put you at risk? I refuse to take the bait. Cassie always pulls these emotional outbursts whenever she wants something. Like for me to lie to a doctor just so she can make money off a study she guilted me into in the first place. Maybe I shouldn't have agreed to this. Reliving my mother's wild child past won't help me understand her better. All it's doing is reinforcing what I already knew. I have the right approach to life. You can't just leap into things and hope it works out. You need to plan ahead, make careful decisions, stay in control. Eventually, the silence between us stretches too thin. She reaches over to flick on the stereo. I squeeze my eyes shut and lean my forehead against the cool glass window and feign sleep. The road's far too bumpy, my head nearly bruising every time we hit so much as a pebble. But it will stave off any more conversation with Cassie. I must fake it till I make it, though, because I wake with a start. A thin line of drool covers my lip. The engine is off. Cassie's watching me from the driver's seat. Next stop. Okay. I rub sleep from my eyes and squint through the bug-smeared windshield at what looks like an amusement park. There are five or six other cars in the lot, too, which is surprising considering it's the first thing in the morning on a Tuesday in what appears to be the middle of nowhere. If not for those cars, I'd be convinced the place was abandoned. 
The front gate is rusted nearly through, and vines have grown up around all the spikes. But there's a big lit-up sign over the gate. Whirlwind Amusement Park. Open for business. Huh. Cassie steps out of the VW. I follow her, shading my eyes. It's overcast, but there's a glare. Over the trees I can see rusted carnival rides, a drop tower, and even a rickety roller coaster. This place looks like a death trap. But more than that, there's a strange uneasiness snapping beneath my skin. This isn't right, a voice tells me. Not the rusty gate, or the few cars, or the unsettled sensation in my head, which has only been getting worse since my last memory. I try to push the feelings away. Cassie's the one who knows where we're going. Not me. Peaches insisted on this particular stop. We rode the rides and ate ourselves silly. It was a perfect happy day. There's that word again. Happy. It still makes me cringe. Was she thinking of me? In her belly? Or was she just thinking of Peaches? Stop acting jealous of a stranger Cassie knew decades ago, I remind myself. Fine, I gesture. Lead the way. Suddenly she's all smiles again, but too smiley, like it's forced. Like she's so desperate to have fun that she's faking it. If I remember correctly, the funnel cake was to die for. I trail her through the rusting gate and up to the ticket desk. The person behind it has one foot propped on the counter, completely absorbed in something on her phone. Two, please. Cassie startles the woman so hard her phone clatters to the ground. Christ. She squints at us, then the clock. We only just opened, you know. So? The coasters won't be running for another couple of hours. Hank's in charge of the bigger rides, but he's not exactly an early bird, so... No worries, we just want to explore. Cassie's too big smile remains plastered on her face. If the worker wasn't already weirded out by us, she definitely is now. Still, the woman shrugs and prints two tickets. I take no responsibility for your boredom, okay? Cassie pats at her pockets, then looks my way with a wince. Ugh, left my wallet in the car. Alex, do you mind? The whole situation has an unpleasantly familiar ring to it. Although, for once, it's not Cassie who springs to the forefront of my mind. Colin. I force the thought away and dig a 20 from my purse to hand over. But my mind, tired from all the worrying and weird dreams, has a hard time fending off my demons. We didn't know each other for long. Colin told me that very first night at the bar. Only about a year? It must have been... Oh, gosh, well... It was a few years after we both finished high school. The year she ran away? My heart climbed into my throat. I was already doing the math. The timing would have been right. Something darkened his expression. Worry, maybe. Or doubt. He cleared it before I could ask, though. She was a wild one, Cassandra. Adventurous. Spontaneous. He glanced at me again. Forgive me saying so, but you don't seem to take after her much. Looks, sorta. <laughs> but manner... 
Not at all. My cheeks flushed. I was grateful that he seemed to see me for me. There's a reason for that. And from there, the floodgates opened. We talked about school, about my graduation, coming up soon, and how I hoped to work in games after. He told me I had a bright future ahead of me. I lapped that shit up. I was so desperate for attention, I accepted it from a total stranger. When the bill came, I forced his open wallet away, insisted on paying the whole thing myself. I was grateful for the connection, the discovery. I was hopeful, too. I'll admit, I checked our reflections side by side in the darkened windows of the bar. Was I imagining it, or did our ears stick out the same way? Did we have a similar cant to our chins? I should have kept my guard up. Coffee? Cassie startles me. We've been walking through the amusement park at a slow wander while my mind drifted a million miles away. Ugh, yes, please. That will jumpstart my brain. Or at the very least, distract it. Why is it always the memories we least want to dwell on that seem to stalk us the hardest? Maybe I do understand, Cassie. At least a little. What if the memories I keep seeing, the ones involving my father, the ones she doesn't want to talk about, hold a similar weight to my memories of Colin? Can I really blame Cassie for avoiding talking about my father when I've never told her about what happened with Colin? Maybe I haven't been fair at all. Hello, friend. This is Neil Helligers, host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight, but I was using, our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful, thrilling, cosmic coincidence, right? See what I did there? So again, to catch you up, Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically, the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account. And there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh, in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do. So he can really see that for all those extra times that he steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. And this is the conversation. In life, when you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash adrenaline. That's greenlight.com slash adrenaline to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash adrenaline slash 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 slash. So thrilling, right? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. After an hour, we've made a loop of the entire park. Cassie dragged me on the few operational rides. One was a water ride, a slow log drifting through a series of scenes from a cartoon that went off the air long before Cassie was a child. Another was a Ferris wheel that rose above the pine trees, high enough for us to spot water sparkling in the distance. Either a lake or the ocean, I couldn't be sure. Nothing else is open, but Cassie refuses to leave. We spent a whole day here last time, long enough to watch the sunset. I want to do the same thing today. The sunset is hours from now. But we keep going. More people trickle into the park with each passing hour. It's mostly families with young kids, although I do spot an older couple too, white-haired, with their arms looped together. It tugs at my heartstrings, watching them. I've never witnessed that kind of romance, either for myself or for a parental figure. Cassie dates plenty, but never for more than a couple months at most. Why would I need a man when I've got you? She'd always say, pinching my cheeks whenever I asked if she was lonely. As the sun approaches its zenith, we wind our way toward the farthest end of the park, to the roller coaster that's clearly the place's pride and joy. It's a wooden thing, listing slightly to one side in a way that looks a lot scarier than the maybe eight-story drop of its largest dip. Is this really still operational? I eye it doubtfully. Looks to be. Cassie points at a car that's just begun to make its way up that tilted first hill, with a handful of passengers aboard. I hardly notice. The sign in front of the roller coaster, its name, makes me freeze in my tracks. Kingsnake. My throat feels tight, my fingertips tingly. This has to be the prompt Cassie gave, the one Dr. Novick wanted me to figure out. The key to a new memory. Come on, Alex, we have to ride it. Cassie practically skips into line. By the entrance, there's the usual sign warning not to ride if you have back injuries, heart issues, or if you're pregnant. Wait, you went on this last time? Of course not. Cassie glowers. But I'm not pregnant now, am I? I remember being so jealous when everyone could ride except me. I hesitate and glance toward the benches. Maybe I should sit while you ride. Cassie's lower lip juts out in a pout. Please. But I mean, if we want to be accurate, Dr. Novick told me to do whatever you did back then as faithfully as possible. Everyone rode the ride, you sat on the bench. That's what I should do now. I can't stop stealing glances at that sign. Kingsnake. 
I need to know what this memory holds, even if it goes against Cassie's memories again. Maybe especially if it does. Fine. I watch her join the short line. I can't lie. Memory trigger aside, I'm glad I don't have to go on this ride. Roller coasters have never really been my thing. Too many factors out of your control. Too many ways for it to go wrong. This one looks especially dangerous, like something out of a black and white photo series on historic pastimes of the early 1900s. Another car of people goes up the first hill. Cassie chats to the ride operator, a Santa-like elderly man with a big white beard that reaches all the way to his pot belly. Then she boards. I grit my teeth and resist the urge to shout at her to be careful. What good will that do? Dr. Novik told me I need to get into Cassie's mindset. So I shift on the hard slats of the bench and try to imagine how she would have felt all those years ago. Jealous of her friends enjoying an adventure without her? Happy to be hanging out at a park all day? The coaster moves slowly up the hill. I can see Cassie's blonde hair, her arms already extended above her head in anticipation of the drop. She looks so young, like a twenty-something again, eager for a summer full of fun. The car reaches the peak of the drop, and I can hear Cassie's full-throated scream all the way from here. That's when my vision shifts. I'm still looking at the same coaster, from this same bench, except the cars are full, packed from end to end. In the front seat are a little girl and her father, his arm around her. Their hair fans out around both of their faces, the features indistinct as ever. I really think she's going to help. The voice startles me, even though I had hoped to hear it again. I turn to find the mystery man beside me. Beside Cassie. His beard looks scruffier this time, as if it's been a few days since his last shave. His eyes are bloodshot. It's so frustrating to be able to pick out those things, but not the details of his features. I squint, trying to force it. Why can't I remember anyone's faces? Who says I need help? My mother teases. It's just... The man's foot jiggles, stops. He reaches over to touch her belly, and she laughs. You know you can't feel anything yet, right? She glances down too, though. She's not showing. Still, the man cups it gently, as if he knows. It's not gonna be just us anymore, Cass. We need to think about what's best for all three of us now. My mother gestures to the roller coaster in the distance. The ride is finishing. The little girl, Peaches, still has her hands in the air, her father laughing as he nudges her side. Behind them, the woman I've seen in Cassie's other memories, Nina, leans forward to pat both of their shoulders from the second row. I'm so glad they're coming with us. All of us at Amizage together. The modern world floods back in once more. The sunlight seems brighter than it was a minute ago, stinging at my eyes. Cassie is climbing out of her car. She notices me and waves, giddy, smiling. But I'm shaking. The voices are echoing in my mind, especially the last words Cassie said. All of us, at where? Ami something, 
I make a mental note to check the map on my phone later. Cassie's bounding toward me, all smiles. <laughs> that was so fun! Are you sure you don't want to give it a try? My mouth opens. The words are right there on my lips. I saw another memory. Yet something stops me. Cassie's smile, her boundless energy, the excitement she had in the past. I'm so glad they're coming with us. But repeating this to her now seems cruel. I don't want to crush her good mood. Or maybe I don't want to be crushed. I don't want her telling me, once more, that that man wasn't there. Because that's what she'll do. Of course she will. She'll deny it. Deny everything. So instead, I clamp my mouth shut and let Cassie drag me onto the King Snake for another go around. It seems like the least I can do. That night, after we settle into an RV park for the evening, I wait until Cassie's asleep. Then I sneak away to call Dr. Novick. If I can't talk to Cassie about what I saw, I at least need to tell someone. It's the first time I've tried to call him outside of our scheduled chats, but he was always adamant I could contact him at any time. Maybe if I can get Dr. Novick on my side, Cassie will listen to reason. Admit that perhaps her version of what happened on the road trip isn't the complete gospel truth. Through no fault of her own, brains rewrite memories over time. It's just how humans work. I pace the gravel lot as the phone connects. It rings a few times, then goes to voicemail. Damn. I try again. This time the phone doesn't even ring. Maybe he has already shut it off for the night. Undeterred. I text instead. Wanted to talk about a new memory. Call me if you can. After, I creep back across the RV lot to where we're parked, ready to tiptoe in the door and onto my bunk. But a voice stops me just a few feet from the door of the bus. It's cracked open, and my mother's voice filters out, loud enough that I can make out her words. I press my back to the bus's grimy paint, Praying that when she looks out the window, she won't notice me crouched here. Yes, yes, I'm absolutely positive, Remy, for God's sake. I'm the one who's there. Doesn't reality matter anymore? My eyes widen. Remy, no wonder his phone kept going to voicemail. He didn't answer my text because he was already on the phone with Cassie. Of course I'm worried about her. I can't make out the next few words. But then, she's clearly delusional. My stomach drops. I'm delusional? I want to storm into the bus and confront her. She's the one who's lying. Her past, her memories. She even wanted me to lie to Remy about what I've been seeing and feeling. I'm telling you, Remy, the things she's seeing are impossible. The tension in the air feels so thick I could reach out and tangle my fist in it. Her father didn't come with us because I'd already left him by then. He was furious when he found out I was pregnant. I was afraid of what he might do if I stuck around. The words take a minute to sink in. He was furious? About me? 
I think about the man on the bench, his warm hand on Cassie's stomach. It's not just us anymore. So who was that guy? He didn't seem like he'd get angry enough to scare Cassie just because she was pregnant. He didn't seem like he would hurt either her or me. Unless... Unless he wasn't my biological father? Unless he was a nice guy who met my mother weeks into her pregnancy after a brutal breakup? Seems awfully fast, though, for such a connection to develop. And then what became of him? Conflicted emotions churn in my gut. On the other hand, if what she just told Remy is true, then she and my father split because of me. If that's true, then it's my fault Cassie's alone. No wonder she resents me. I need to clear my head. But I push off the bus too hard, misjudging it, and the whole thing rocks from side to side. That must clue Cassie in, because a split second later, the door flies open. She sticks her head out and spies me right away, as I'm still in a half-crouch next to the window. Her face contorts into fury. Were you eavesdropping? My heart races. Multiple responses war for attention, stopping up my throat. You're lying to me. You're lying to Remy. How dare you call me delusional? Now she has the gall to be angry about eavesdropping? Yet her final words are still ringing in my ears. I was afraid of what he might do if I stuck around. It could explain so much. Her hatred of my father. Her reluctance to talk about him or their past together. If it's true, then maybe she's right. Maybe I am delusional. Could the memories I'm seeing, the ones that feel so real, so vivid, be false? I need time. Space. Away from her. I just got cold. Came back for my coat. I hold out a hand, feigning impatience. Can you hand it over? Cassie sighs, then reaches over to grab my jacket from the <sighs> passenger seat. Before she hands it to me, she pauses, forehead knit. Alex. All at once, I don't want to confront her. It's been a long day. You should get some sleep. I shrug into the coat and turn my back on her. It's cold up here in the mountains, my breath a fog. But I don't care. Either I'm losing my mind, imagining voices that aren't real, seeing men who don't exist, or are my mother's a liar? And I need to figure out why. Well, the uh, the plot, as they say, I'm not sure exactly who they are, but they do say the plot has thickened, huh? And my, uh, my big takeaway from this episode is that if I ever need to, like, dig deep and, and, and draw out my demons, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go find an old, decrepit amusement park and just let it rip. I mean, they're kind of like clowns, right? They're meant to be entertaining, but they're really terrifying, actually. And um, But in the end, uh, you know, you really earn that cotton candy, right? So, that was episode four of Memory Lane. Episode five is tilt-a-whirling around the corner at us rapidly. So, I am Neil Helligers. 
I'm your host for Adrenaline, and I will see you there. Take care. You've been listening to Memory Lane on Adrenaline. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Memory Lane is a Realm original production written by Sarah Shepard and Ellen Goodlett. Produced by Rhoda Belleza and Haley Wagreich. And executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Zeller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Chris Coolia, Elliot Schiff, Cherie Wichard, Tiana Camacho, and Kaylin West. Audio produced and directed by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Amanda Rose Smith with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Bagala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.